0: The Cup is back home! The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 14 of Bruins Beat. This year has been flying right by, if you can believe it, Ooh, 14 weeks ago, Jason and I started this podcast, and uh, happy to be still doing it here for you guys. We have a great show on tap for today, a lot to discuss, a lot of uh, news on the Bruins front, a lot of NHL news around the Bruins had a, a decent week. I'm going to say a decent week because I think it was a little underwhelming in, in my perspective, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But the good news, though, to start right off the bat is David Krejci returned to the Bruins lineup last Thursday for the first time in a couple weeks since he's been injured against Ottawa, and I think this is a big news. Krejci, obviously, I think is one of the most important Bruins on this team. I think sliding Spooner down to the third line gives the Bruins a lot more depth, a lot better, better offense, a lot more goal scoring. It helps the power play out. I think this is a good sign in the future. I think Krejci plays a really responsible defensive game as well. This is big news for the Bruins. Just puts everyone in their proper place, and hopefully Krejci can remain healthy and keep up – but he started early on because Krejci was putting up numbers earlier on this year.
1: You know what? I'm not going to count that Kinect game that Krejci p- played. And, you know, I'm going to keep in mind he's still getting back to being healthy. I played devil's advocate last week, so I'm not doing that this week. Uh, we'll see with the Bruins. I know that the Kinect game was very underwhelming, and you really can't tell how Krejci's feeling based on that one game. So it's a wait-and-see process to see if I agree with this or not.
0: Definitely, I, I'm just happy Krejci's back. Krejci's one of my favorite Bruins to watch. I think he's, I think he's key for this Bruins team. You saw, it, we saw it earlier. When Krejci is playing, is when Krejci's on his game. How good of a player he is. He's, he can produce. He can play defense. Helps out the power play. So I'm happy he's back. So I think it sets everyone into their proper place in the line. Spooner on third line. Whoever you want between Compani and Talbot on the fourth line, being the center. So I think it just makes the Bruins that more, that much more deeper.
1: And let's just hope he stays healthy.
0: Absolutely, because that's, that's what you need is health, because Krejci has been getting a little dinged up the past couple years. So hopefully he can remain healthy, and um, that's what you want to see. And
1: Let's put it this way. If Krejci doesn't remain healthy, I'm calling Krejci a porcelain
0: doll. <laughs> yeah. So let's hope he can remain healthy then. But um, I also want to talk about someone else that's injured right now. is Adam McQuaid. And I feel bad for Adam McQuaid. Before this year, I didn't want the Bruins to re-sign him whatsoever. I thought it was his time was up. The Bruins signed him to a four-year extension. And I said, what are they doing? They don't need to give him a four-year extension. But the more and more the Bruins play without him, the more and more I think the Bruins need him. And I never thought I would be saying this because I thought the Bruins were going to let him walk. that they were going to be fine without him. But McQuaid came in this year healthy. He came in ready to go. He's been, I think, the Bruins' best defenseman all year round besides... Maybe if you say Tory Krug, I can can have an argument with you there and maybe agree with you there, but Adam McQuaid's been in dynamite this year, and he got a concussion against Washington. and The guy got suspended for it, which we talked about on the show, but McQuaid still hasn't skated. Claude Julien mentioned it the other day that McQuaid still hasn't skated, and that's worrisome to me because this could be a very, very severe concussion, and if he's not skating, it means he's not ready to play, which means, obviously he's not ready to play, excuse me, which means that... This could be a very, very long-term thing, and it's worrying me about the same thing when Bergeron got his concussion a few years back. When Bergeron missed the rest of the the rest of the season, and it was you didn't know if he was going to come back, and that that's what I feel like with Adam McQuaid, and it's just hurting the defense. And I feel bad for him because he was playing really well this year.
1: And that's about the only thing you can really say. It was a tough hit, and yes, I feel bad for Adam McQuaid. I can't go any further than that. I am not going to criticize his play because you know what, you're right. He was a really good top-four defenseman, and we're not going to argue Torrey Krug, Torrey Krug because, you know, even Jack Edwards is saying Torrey Krug has stepped up as a top-four defenseman as well. So we are on the same page at that point with Adam McQuaid. You know, I feel bad for him. I hope he gets healthy soon. It's a rough injury for him to go through, and it's unfortunate.
0: Definitely, and I just think when you hear someone that gets a concussion and they haven't skated yet and Claude Julien said there's no timetable for his return, that is worrisome because concussions are a tough injury now. And, as, and, the, and the people who are taking... Extreme caution for concussions now, which I understand because head trauma and head injuries have come a long way with science and like you can recognize them now. So I understand, but I'm, that's just worrisome because McQuaid has been playing great. He hasn't been skating yet, and I'm worried that he's like in a dark room somewhere because he can't even like see the light.
1: Um, that's all I got. I can't. You, i, I your guess is as good as mine. So.
0: I know it's. I tough. Guy. So I hopefully, hopefully McQuaid
1: not, can hope come back. Tough. Sorry about that. I was interrupting you. Um, but I hope he's not gone for the rest of the season. But with him not skating, it makes me think how long we're going to be out.
0: Exactly. So hopefully he can come back soon because the Bruins' defense could sure use him. They have. I mean, even though they've been playing okay, they could use someone else to be better. I think McQuaid's better than some of the guy Almost everyone they have right now. So hopefully he can come back soon. But also that we talked to make room for David Krejci. Frank Petrano was sent down to Providence. And since Petrano's been called up by Mike Petrano, but, I mean, since the trick against Pittsburgh, he really hasn't done too much scoring-wise. I know he he works hard, he skates hard, he shoots the puck. I understand that, but he was one of the only guys the Bruins have on their roster that with a two-way contract. So if they sent anyone else down, they would have had to clear through waivers. So I think sending Petrano down was the smart move because with the trade deadline coming up, you don't want to just lose pieces for nothing. And if you put them down to Providence and they get claimed by another team, then boom, they just, he just goes to another team. It happened with Frazier last year. It happened with Craig Cunningham a few uh, Also, if, if Bruins... Wasn't that the same year? I think it was the same year. So, so yeah, it happened... the yeah,
1: same year. Frazier and Cunningham were the same year.
0: Yeah, so it happened twice. So, I think the Bruins learned their lesson. And hopefully, we're just like, well, we're not going to send this person down to the minas because he'll have to go through waivers and someone's going to pick him up. Same thing that the Bruins did with, to Detroit this year. They picked up Landon Ferraro off of waivers. So I think that's why they sent Vetrano down because Vetrano has a two-way contract. And I think he'll be back up before the year's over because I think the Bruins are going to make some trades here. But that's why Vetrano sent down. So I hope Bruins fans aren't yelling and screaming about why he sent down because that's the main reason. Is because they do not want to have to put someone else on waivers.
1: Well, Mike, I hate to say this, but I think we're on our way to a very boring show where I'm agreeing with every single point you've made so far. I
0: know, usually you don't (laughs) agree with me.
1: I agree with you on that one. I think Petrano's a smart move because I think that the Bruins have more up their sleeve. And I have a hard time disagreeing with that because it's the truth. I agree with it. I think that was a smart move by the Bruins. You know, Petrano came in like a house of fire, but he's still a rookie, he's still young, and he's still getting used to the uh, NHL speed. And it's good for the Bruins to make that kind of move in order to keep him.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that there. So, and speaking of moves to come later, there's one person I want to get to that I've been frustrated with all year, and it's Brett Connolly. And the Bruins traded for him last year around the, the trade deadline. They gave up two second-round picks for Brett Connolly, who was he was the sixth overall pick by Tampa Bay, and everyone was saying, oh, he has a great release. He's good. He's, he's going to be a good player. Maybe a change of senior will help him out in Boston, like going from Tampa to Boston will help him out. And since I've been watching Brett Connolly, he has like one goal in his last what, 35 games or so. And I, I know 35 is a stretch, but the last a few games ago, they said that he had one goal in 30 games. And I'm just very disappointed with Brett Connolly. And I don't see why he keeps playing. And he's playing with Bergeron and Marchand. And I just don't understand why. I don't think he's a good player. I don't think he brings anything to the table. I just, the Brett Connolly experiment should be over. Get rid of him, get him out of town, send him somewhere else. I do not care. I don't I don't
1: want to see well, him. You, you have a great point. This is why I think Brett Connolly is still in the lineup because Connolly is not one of those players with a contract that you can just send down. So I think that the Bruins are probably looking to move him. And you can see that things are starting to happen because we're, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of us, but we are going to be discussing this anyway because they have started working with contract discussions with Louis Erickson, which if I'm foreshadowing this, those contract discussions, probably are not going to work out. They're probably there so that the Bruins can say, "Okay, it didn't work out, so let's try to trade him." And you can you can see moves starting to happen. You can hear the chirpings.
0: Yeah, it's true, but I I just don't want I just don't want him on the team anymore. To be honest, I think his time's done. He's playing with you. You put him with Bergeron and Marchand, and he's not producing. It's the same thing with Riley Smith last year. You had Riley Smith with Bergeron and Marchand. He wasn't producing. He wasn't doing anything, and it was just Bergeron and Marchand doing it all themselves. And you can't be doing that and. It, for them too. Them two should be able to play with a guy that, that knows how to play the game. And
1: but who are you going to trade Connolly for at the moment? Unless for you package him in a deal.
0: I I don't think you're going to be able to trade Connolly for much. I just don't want him on the team anymore, to be honest. Like I, I just want him off the Bruins. Like I don't think so he's going gonna... to. You think that the
1: Bruins should cut him, put him on waivers, unless somebody else takes him.
0: Well, I wouldn't put him on waivers because I think you can get like a, maybe a, like a fourth round pick, which I think
1: that's is... that, that's that's going to take time. The Bruins have to work out a trade, and that means packaging him. That you know, I yeah, agree. So- I, agree I don't want Connolly on the team, but I don't think that it's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to happen, just not tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I know it's not going to happen tomorrow either, but I'm just saying, like I'm fed up with him. I hope it's soon. That's what I'm saying. I hope it's soon. No,
1: I, I I hope it's before the I hope it's before the deadline. I think that there is probably something big in the works. I mean, you can already start hearing the chirpings with Erickson. So
0: yeah, and speaking of Louis Erickson, um, there was rumblings from Darren Dreger. Saying that Louis Erickson and the Boston Bruins have begun speaking about contract extension. As you all know, Louis Erickson is in the final year of his contract for 4.25 million dollars contract. This contract he he did sign with the Dallas Stars, so it's his last remaining contract that he signed before he got to Boston. But Louis Erickson's having a solid year. I've been saying that Louis Erickson's been one of the better Bruins all season long. I get that, but Don Sweeney came out and said that they've been talking to his agent, came Neely on Felger and Maz 98.5 the Sports Hub said he's been talking to his agent, trying to work out some extension for Louis Erickson. They want to keep him, it seems like. I'm not so sure I want to keep Louis Erickson, and I wrote an article about it on clnsradio.com about why I think the Bruins should trade Erickson. And like I said, I get it. He's having a good year, and he's sol- he's a solid player. But I don't want the Bruins to overpay for him. And this is what happened with Peter Shirelli. But he was signing everyone to four-year extensions five-year extensions no trade clauses for all for money that they didn't deserve and louis erickson's going to be 31 next or five years i am worried about the bruins doing if the bruins can get him for a cheap deal in a hometown discount Trust me, I I will take it because I don't mind Louis Erickson on this team. This year he's been proving me wrong, so I'll take a hometown discount. But if Louis Erickson wants six or seven million dollars for five or six years, I'm sorry, that's not worth it to me. And I want to think I want hey, to get what you. I was
1: doing. gonna say the same thing. He's not worth six million. Uh, not yeah, I would give him up. I would even mirror the same contract he has, but he won't even take that. I don't I don't see a deal working out for the Bruins and Erickson. I think that these talks are just talks to. Not get people really looking for a trade.
0: Uh, well, I, that's what I want them to do. I want them to trade Louis Erickson by the trade deadline because if you don't re sign him or you can't, if you don't, if you offer him some contracts and he rejects and, he, and his agent goes, No, we want this, and you feel like, Okay, well, we don't want to give you that, and you and you aren't going to sign him, you have to move him by the deadline. You have to because you then you, if you don't move him by the deadline, at July 1st comes around, free agency, and he just walks for nothing, which I think is even stupider.
1: Yeah, the Bruins, are Don Sweeney's smarter than that, and you know there's gonna be people who want Louis Erickson, especially if those teams are playoff contenders or are fighting to get into the playoffs, which a lot of the Canadian teams are doing. The Bruins again, I'm gonna call us right now. The Bruins will end up creating Louis Erickson, especially with the way that, which I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but Pastor Knight came back this week as well.
0: Oh yes, Pasternak did come back as well. I, we'll talk about that in just a second, but yeah, I think I think you're I think you're onto something there because. I think Louis Erickson should be traded. That's just my opinion. I think he should be traded because teams give up a lot at the trade deadline. A lot. And I think you could package Louis Erickson with something, maybe Koch with Chad, maybe Seth Griffith, where you just go, okay – Louis Erickson and so and so for this player. And there's a lot of teams in the Washington- Here's
1: what I would do. If it, if, the, if, if the Bruins' play nation <laughs> struggled, and I mean, I forced, I'm not going to out anything, but if the Bruins started struggling to the point where they lost their grip on the playoff run, and like I said, I've, my prediction still is true, we're on a roller coaster ride with this team that we really can't predict this team. But say the Bruins did struggle and come February, they out of playoff contention, I would trade Louis Erickson and try to get a draft pick out of it and still to build towards the future. Knowing that you have a couple of young guys that you can just call up specifically Vitano.
0: Yeah, that that could be an idea too. But first-round picks. It's, be- it's,
1: it's, it's it's like I said, this idea is pending. The Bruins could be playing great and could go for that top-four defenseman to Louis Erickson. There's several options that the Bruins have based on where they'll be in the standings in that time period.
0: Yeah, Louis Erickson definitely gives them options, and I I just think he should be packaged for something. Whether you said, whether you said if it's a draft pick, whether they start. Crap in the bed and going in the other direction. I'll rather ask for a defenseman. But the Bruins should trade Louis Erickson. You don't need, don't need to re-sign Louie Erickson to an extension at age 31 years old. You just don't need to do it. He's played fine. I get that, but it's time to move on, in my opinion.
1: And I agree with that. It is time to move on if the Bruins can't sign him to a reasonable contract. A reasonable contract meaning one or two years.
0: And as you said, the Bruins have younger players to step in for trial sent down the John and get easily called back up. David Pasch returned from injuries. He already has three points since he's been back in the Bruins lineup, which I think is great to see that he's, putting, he's producing and putting points on the board. So the Bruins have some time there to bring up if they trade Louis Erickson, so I'm not worried about filling in Louis Erickson's shoes. I'm more worried about filling in the back end of the defense because we've been saying how bad the defense has been all season long. So I think they need to show that up.
1: Yes, I do. I do think they need to show up the defense if they want to make the playoffs and make a run. They're not. They're not going to have a choice. I mean, you like I said, I said it last week. The Bruins defense is showing its age.
0: Yes, it is very, very well. Good. Very much so. But
1: and I can't blame Tuukka for the Bruins defense showing its age. The only thing I can blame Tukarask for was that first Lazi goalie give up in that Canucks game. I will not have a hard time blaming Tukarask.
0: Yeah, and that's all I wanted to get to next is Tukarask. I just want to touch on Tukarask briefly and. I think this is Tuga Rask's best season with the Bruins so far, especially with the defense he has. He's been having to make difficult saves and keep the Bruins in games. So I, I just wanted to mention that I think Tuga Rask is playing well. A lot of people don't like Rask, and I know you kind of eased up on Rask a little bit because you agree with me that he's been playing well this year. But for all the Tuga haters out there, watch some of the games and see how many saves Tuga Rask makes to keep the Bruins in games because their defense is atrocious. And without Tukarask, and if the Bruins had some no-name goalie, it would be a lot worse. So be just be thankful that you have Tukarask right now, Bruins fans.
1: Yeah, I was a bit wrong on Tukarask at the start of the season. I, the start of the season, the specific thing I was looking for was him to play with a lot of heart. It seems like he started doing that, and you can see it in the two Montreal Canadiens games that he played, specifically at in Montreal. He's given up one goal, and maybe the Canadiens are a team that's like struggling, but... It's good to see him get that monkey off his back.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, good on Tukorovsk. He's proven some people wrong, like Jason. Hopefully, he can continue it. And hopefully, the Tukorovsk can continue playing this well and carry the Bruins in the playoffs. Because, as as you have seen before, a hot goaltender can carry a team very far. And I'm not saying Tukorovsk is going to do that. I'm not saying they're going to make the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm just saying Tukorovsk has the capabilities to do that. And if he does... I hope he can. I don't
1: see the Bruins making the Cup Finals or even the Conference Finals this year. If the Bruins make the playoffs they'll get past the first round, possibly depending on who they play. But I don't feel like predicting that far ahead yet because I'd be playing Devil's Advocate, and I want to see how this week specifically plays out and the week's leading up to the trade deadline before I make my decisions.
0: Yeah, and the trade deadline is, is coming up. It is February 29th, I believe, is the trade deadline, if I have that right. Um, yes, right. right. Yes, February 29th. Just the. Uh, just a little bit over a month away, a little bit over. So we'll have another month, though, like a couple, of three or four more episodes to see where the Bruins stand by then. In our
1: trade, and we and we will have like a trade deadline special on March 5th, that week, the week of the deadline.
0: Yes, the absolutely, week. we will. So that'll be the key factor of whether Jason hopefully predicts the Bruins to make the playoffs or not. So wait and see on that one. But uh, I predicted a three and zero week this week, and. I was very close transitioning here to the Bruins breakdowns in
1: Needless to say, I was completely wrong.
0: Yes, you your devil's advocate finally came out last week and finally got proved to be wrong, but that's okay. You know That was my
1: goal. I, 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 I made a joke I said to everybody I was like I predicted doom and gloom because I could. Because I knew that would be wrong and I was hoping I would be wrong. I wanted to be wrong.
0: Absolutely. So the <gasps>
1: But I wasn't wrong about the Canucks game.
0: No, you weren't. You weren't wrong. about the- <laughs> You did say they were gonna lose that one. So, oh man. But anyways, the, so the first game the Bruins had was uh, they finally came back home after that road trip and played Toronto, and Toronto has been playing better. Of like, they've been competing hard. They've been. I think Co- Coach Mike Babcock has Toronto Maple Leafs believing in themselves a little bit. Even though they're not a playoff team, they compete, they work hard, and even though the Bruins kind of dominated play. The Toronto gave him a good, solid effort there.
1: Toronto had good goaltending,
0: yes. James R- Berner, better. Yes, Bernier played very really well. He's making some key saves for the Maple Leafs, keeping the Maple Leafs in the game. So, I don't... And uh, the Bruins did end up pulling it out, though. And Brad Marchand scored with under a minute to play after he had a goal called back for being offside. And I'm to be honest, I don't like that rule, to be able to challenge an offside. Because it just takes away from the game. The challenge lasts like six or seven minutes, and everyone just standing around. That was ridiculous.
1: That challenge.
0: I know. I just don't like them. I don't like coaches being able to challenge offsides. I think it's just a, a dumb NHL rule. I get you want to be able to challenge goals and goalie interference and whether someone kicked it in or not, but offsides? Are you kidding me? So what? Should we, should we now start challenging icings too? Oh no, that should that should have been an icing. You should, and then, yeah. Well, while we're at
1: it, let's get rid of the hybrid uh, hybrid icing rule and bring back some of the big hits after those icing plays. Yes. Yeah, make this game more interesting. Yep. You then know, bring the fighting back to we're Should at Should we it. be
0: able to challenge every penalty, too? Like, what is going on here? Like, what the... Like, I get it sometimes you... That's the best part about sports. Sometimes the human element comes into play. And, yes, I get it. If it was the... If it happened against the Bruins, I probably would be... I probably would be like... Whatever. I probably would be a little bit agitated. But... That's what happens in sports sometimes is, the, is that it's a hum- the games are so fast now that sometimes you can't catch every single minor thing that happens. And now with all the technology we have, everything's being micromanagized man- and under the microscope of every little thing that happens. And I hate it. Hey, Mike. Quick question. What?
1: What do the NFL and the NHL have in common?
0: Bad commissioners.
1: Okay, we're on the same page yeah I I, I didn't I actually think you would guess that, but yes, bad commissioners. Yes, I I, just...
0: I, everyone knows Gary Batman.
1: Batman and uh, Goodell I suck.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say much worse, but I contained myself there, so I'm glad that you said suck, because that's, that's a better thing to say. But anyway, so <laughs> I just hate that offside throw. Why are, you, why are you able to challenge offsides? I just don't understand that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'll never understand it, and it cost everyone ruin the goal. But you know what? It, the the Hockey Gods redeemed themselves and gave Brad Marchand still the game-winning goal with under a minute left. And it was kind of a freaky play, but you know what? It was pretty
1: freaky. It was the flukiest goal I've seen in a long time, and Brad deserved it.
0: He did deserve it. That's what I'm saying. The, Haw- the Hockey Gods came back and said, you know what? Uh, you scored a goal, and they-, they took it away from you, so I'm going to give you this game-winning goal anyways. Which is good, because yeah. I think the Bruins yeah. deserve to win that game. The Bruins dominated play and. In- it was good for the Bruins to get two points and finally get a win on home ice because, as you, me and you have both said, that for some reason they can't seem to win on home ice. For some reason, I, I don't understand why they have a winning record on the road and a losing record at home, which riddled me that, which doesn't make any sense because usually the Bruins are a good home team. It's just baffling.
1: I don't know. Chris won two years ago when I saw them play 42 games at home, they had all but like 13 losses total. I
0: don't yeah. Know how
1: that came in two years?
0: I know. It's ridiculous. Good for yes. the Bruins. You got two wins, two grass. Played solid in that. Um, good team win. Good to get the this week off to the right foot. They were playing because they're playing some winnable games right now, and you have to win the games that you're supposed to win. Because when you start, all three. when you're supposed to win all three. Yes, you're supposed to. But you know, you gotta you gotta get some points out of here. Because like we, as you and I talked about before too, the Eastern Conference is gonna be a dogfight to the end because everyone's playing well. Everyone's right around the same area of points. Tampa Bay is heating up now. Florida is still doing well. Detroit. Montreal, even though Montreal is struggling, they're still pretty close to a playoff spot. So, the points are crucial. So, it's good for the Bruins to get two points there and against Toronto.
1: The Western Conference, like, I guess I'm looking at the same. The Western Conference is more spread out. But even look at the San Jose Sharks who have been surging lately. We were talking about that yeah, earlier. Yeah, which, which oh.
0: is making me aggravated. Yeah. But, hopefully they can have another losing streak and start, start sucking again. Right. But so this uh, but let's turn in here to the, the Bruins game on Tuesday and this was the game of the week for me. I know are you probably for all Bruins fans that we're looking forward to a game this week. Really it had to have been Tuesday night in Montreal. And before we get into the game, I wanna just say that to Montreal, very classy to have a Daniel Lang uh, video before the game. They donated all the Winter Classic jerseys, raffled them off, and gave them to the Lang Foundation. So, props to Montreal for that. Very respectable. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that as a hockey fan because obviously Lang was the woman who was paralyzed in the first ever Winter in the first ever Women's Winter Classic. So, props to Montreal. They did something classy, and I respect that.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, my, you have a hard time hitting Montreal when they do something like that, and You know, it was a great move wearing the Winter Classic jerseys again, too.
0: Yeah, so, before the game, I was a little nervous that the Bruins were wearing the Winter Classic jerseys because, as you saw during the Winter Classic, they wore them and it didn't even show up. And they got their faces kicked in by Montreal. So, I was a little worried that they were going to wear the Winter Classic jerseys and suck. But, you know what? The Bruins came out and they had a great effort in Montreal. Superb effort in Montreal. And the whole team played well. They were ready to go. I think Tuka played on his head, to be honest. I think Tuka made some great saves, kept the Bruins in the game. Finally, the Bruins were able to break through. The Bruins went up early with Max Talbot, who I think is having a phenomenal season. Got the Bruins on the board first to, and beat uh, Mike Condon for the one nothing lead. And then Montreal did end up tying it 1-1. But after Montreal tied it, the Bruins just kept making a push and kept making a push. And finally, we were able to break through, and the Bruins were able to get a nice victory there in Montreal.
1: Yeah, and what was interesting was the way that they utilized Pasternak when he came back. that was the game Pasternak came back. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Pasternak came back. It was great because you and I have been talking about Pasternak for quite some time now. So it was great to see them come back. And you know what? He had an impact on the game. He scored the the third goal to kind of put the game away.
1: No, he did. And it's, you know... It was a nice goal, too, and you know, what? he didn't play that many minutes, but the way they played him, it was just really smart for Claude Julian just to bring him back and ease him into the game.
0: Yeah, and he... And have, have
1: him still be effective. It
0: was great that he had a nice impact during the game as well. He was... Uh, and also, before next scored, Trish Bergeron, who passed Cam Neely in all-time points in the Bruins uniform. And that what a crime for him to pass Cam Neely to score the... The game-winning goal against Montreal, a nice little wraparound goal to beat Mike Condon. Put the Bruins up 2-1, and then, boom, Bruins never looked back. Bruins scored two more goals for a 4-1 victory in Montreal. And it was just awesome to hear the Montreal fans booing their team because Montreal has been playing so bad. The Boo Birds were out, and they were out in full force, and it was
1: great. Well, I guess that answers the the question, who's most important in Montreal and which player is most important, because that player is not in the lineup yet.
0: Yes, he's not, and Carey Price will not even be back until after the All-Star game, which is next weekend, I believe. The All-Star game is next weekend.
1: Yeah, I know Monday is my birthday, so the Bruins are playing that Monday game on my birthday. Yeah,
0: next weekend is the All-Star game, though, right?
1: Next weekend is the All-Star game. That's when they get four days off.
0: Next weekend the All Star game. We'll break down the All Star game a little bit and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later on in the show. But but yeah, price won't be back until they're on then. And Montreal's just trying to tread water until then. But I think they have a lot more problems than just carry price. And I think carry price saves their bacon, and that just shows how good of a goaltender carry price is.
1: Well, you know, when you said that I had heard stuff about the fact that Montreal was possibly gonna trade not trade. Fired Michel Therrien, which they haven't done yet.
0: They have not done that yet. Michelle Therrien is still behind the bench in Montreal, but if they don't make the playoffs, he'll, he'll be fired. He's yeah, he's fired. And as of right now, the Montreal's not in the playoffs, but the this, see this, this, the crowd, though, when it was 4-1 in the last shift of the game, the, it looked like there was an empty arena there because all the Montreal fans left. It was a picture-perfect moment. I love when that happens because it doesn't happen often because the Bruins don't usually beat Montreal in Montreal often, but it's happened twice this year. And, oh, Wait,
1: no, they don't really beat Montreal. Montreal often they not beat. They barely beat Montreal. Period. So they get two wins against Montreal It's a miracle.
0: I know, especially both of them being in Montreal. So good job for the Bruins. Great team win. Passionate comes back. You're thinking, okay, great. The Bruins are going to come home, play the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday after a great win in Toronto and Montreal. You know, the, there's no Henrik Sedin for. The Vancouver Canucks, they, the last time the Bruins played the Canucks, they beat them 4 nothing. It looks like the Canucks didn't even want to play. And then the game starts, and this game was Bugs. frustrating because the Bruins ended up losing 3-2. And 4-2. 4-2 empty net, yeah, 4-2 and an empty net. But, man, the Bruins, like they, they came out, the Bruins. They had all the possession. I, I took a rest, but a little soft goal in the beginning there. It was Vancouver's first shot on net, but the Bruins had opportunities to win that game. But they just didn't seem like they played with a lot of energy and a lot of passion that like they played against with Montreal. They were just kind of going through the motions. And that the Bruins are better than Vancouver, and it was, this was just a frustrating loss because the Bruins, like you said, the Bruins need to beat teams they need should beat. And you predicted the Bruins were going to lose because you were playing devil's advocate, and it ended up being. <laughs>
1: Technically, technically, I was being a jerk that day, and I just like playing Devil's Advocate, and yeah, I, pre- I predicted they were going to lose, and they were going to be horrendous because that was just how I felt that weekend. And I ended up being right about the Canucks game. So I, I just know, like-
0: which, which made me mad because the week was going my way. The whole it was everything was going right. I said that everyone's gonna everything be- was going
1: right. I said, to get ready, go to the show, say, hey, Mike, guess what? You beat me. I know so-
0: everything was going right. They they beat Toronto. They go into Montreal and win, which I predicted twice would happen this year, and I was right twice. So I'm, I'm giving my pat, giving myself a little pat in the back, and. I'm talking to Jason before the Vancouver game. I go, oh, man, Jason, this week this week seems like it's going to be my week. Uh, you know, 2-0, they're going to play Vancouver tomorrow. Hen- Henrik Sedin's out. Vancouver's not playing that well lately. This- it's, a, it's supposed
1: to be the perfect storm for the Bruins, and they screw it up.
0: They screw it Even up. Screw it up.
1: Uh, the the-, the roller coaster ride continues, and I called it.
0: I know. This is just so
1: funny. I'm still, I'm still on top at that point. That I called the roller coaster ride the entire season. So... It's it's impressive that I can call that, but still, you know, you got to beat the Canucks. You can't lose to the Canucks on
0: home ice. Certainly on home ice again. The Bruins are 10, 12, 10 and twelve on home ice, and there's a few overtime games as well. But that's not that's unacceptable for if you want to make the playoffs. Wait,
1: let me say this because I am gonna, I'm gonna probably answer this question as to why the Bruins lost this game. The Bruins that uh, in line with Bolesky and Erickson was going great. You reinsert Krejci into that lineup, and the team's going to struggle with Krejci still getting his game back. And I think that's a major reason as to why the Bruins lost because Spooner was playing great on that first line.
0: <laughs> Excuse me, but yeah, I mean it could be a factor Krejci coming back. You know, the, the game was there for the taking too. Like, it was one nothing Vancouver. You'd make it one one. Vancouver scores again. You make it two to two. And the game's right there, two to two game, and, someone, and
1: one of the uh, and one of the Sedin sisters puts the puck behind the net.
0: Because someone left him wide open out front. There was no one even around him. The shot came from the point. Tuukka makes the save. The pucks, the rebounds there, and the only person there is Daniel Sedin. There was no Bruins defender there, which I, yeah, which is which is baffling to me. Like, how are you gonna leave him of all people in Vancouver uncovered? Even though we call him the Sedin sisters because they we think they're Sally's. He can still put the puck in the net.
1: Well, yes, Daniel Sedin is now like one of the highest scores in Vancouver history at the moment.
0: Exactly, you gotta keep just not- passing another one. Yes, so I don't know. The, the game was there. The Bruins did not play well, so it was, it was very frustrating. Because like I said, everything was going my way, and then Jason comes. I ended up right in the end. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I I have yet to get a week right. And right? it's like
1: it's like I do this stuff on purpose. Like I know how to twist the knife to get you going it's the easiest thing in the world to do.
0: Ah, uh, it's so frustrating cuz the game was it was everything was going fine and I was like, oh, "Oh, here we go. Here we go. Boom." Like what the hell? Come on, Bruins. You got to win that game. The Bruins do still that that game that loss is going to hurt because that could have been two points the Bruins could use down the line. It, a lot of
1: these games those losses are going to hurt. And that's why I kept on saying and that's why I keep on for warning you guys, don't get your hopes up. Don't even come close to saying all oh, the Bruins are a guaranteed playoff team. They're not. Nothing's guaranteed right now with how close no, it's. They're definitely
0: not guaranteed, but I think they're good enough to be in the playoffs. And as you said, they, as you, they're
1: good enough to be in the playoffs, but doesn't mean that they're gonna play good enough to get into the playoffs. It's a big difference when you use those words.
0: Yeah, it is. They, so, they have the
1: lineup to do it. Doesn't mean the effort's gonna be there every single
0: night. So well, maybe we'll hold off on predictions a little bit. We'll we'll make predictions again after the trade deadline. We'll see what happens during the trade deadline. Who gets who? Who gets better? And once the trade deadline happens, we can have a discussion. We can have a discussion, for the last month of the season in March, about where we think the Bruins are going to go.
1: And I agree with that.
0: All right, transitioning here from the Bruins to uh, the around the NHL segment. Oh, before
1: we transition, you know, we should mention our good friends at Red Sox Beat.
0: Oh yes, our good friends at Red Sox Beat. Please listen to Red Sox Beat for CLNS Radio. They have a podcast every Sunday. It comes out. Um. Jared, Jess, and Lauren do a great job discussing all things Red Sox, even even stuff around the MLB. As uh, Jason and I do the uh, talking about around the NHL segments, they go around the MLB. Everything you need, everything. Great show there. Please give it a listen. Red Sox Beat on clnsradio.com. It's the same thing you could do to tune into our Bruins Beat podcast, be for the Red Sox Beat podcast. So please go check it out. They have great stuff there.
1: And like I said, guys, baseball season's starting soon. pitchers, are, pitchers and catchers are already going to be uh, reporting to us to or, like, next week.
0: Really? Next week? Wow. That baseball season goes pretty long, but you don't realize how quick their offseason is.
1: You don't. And that's the same thing with NASCAR, too, but I won't go there.
0: Yeah, I don't think we want to talk about NASCAR. But anyways, no. so go check them out at BruinsBeat at CONSRadio.com. Great show. They'll talk about everything you need to know about the Red Sox. But now we'll transition here. And as we talked about last week, I was pretty fired up about the John Scott NHL thing and how the NHL was did that on purpose and not let him go. And now the NHL is taking a ton of heat for it. And now they stated that John Scott will, in fact, be at the All-Star game and will, in fact, be the All-Star captain for the, the Western Division because the NHL received a ton of heat for this. And this is just so Batman to... Construe a John Scott trade to get him not to play in the All-Star game and then have him have it happen so he can't play in the All-Star game and then have people complain to him that he shouldn't have done that. And, like, now he's back in the All-Star game. This is just Gary Bettman as finance. We talked about him as a... As a oh.
1: This is just these two, these two leagues, and I'm going to go NFL and NHL combined and blood together, who just don't know how to run a league and be honest about it. And this is where I think it's really... Like, come on, John. They should have never done that. You know what? The fans voted for it. Was the NHL's mistake. Let John Scott play and deal with the situation next year.
0: Exactly. That's all I needed to do. Was as you and I said. Even though John Scott being there is a kind of a joke, he got voted in because that's the NHL's rules on the All Star game.
1: And just look at John Scott. And say, John Scott, don't hit, or, don't hit or injure anybody, or we'll make sure you find your way out of the league faster than you can think. Like I say to him.
0: Exactly. And also, this is the NHL's process for. Having players come in—I mean, excuse me. Excuse me. This is the NHL's process of All-Star games. If, sure. if you don't, if you don't, don't want that to ha- If you don't want this to happen, change the process.
1: I agree. They definitely need to change that process for sure.
0: And Darren Jagger who I follow from TSN, he stated, he stated, you know what? Let him play next year. But yeah, Darren Jagger from TSN does a great job of talking about this. And he stated that have him play, and then next year, have teams submit three or four players for the vote, because that so that way the fans can only vote for certain players on certain teams. So that way this doesn't happen again. And I think that's the best idea I have saw I have seen on Twitter or by anyone is do what Darren Jagger just said. So the Bruins will have to put okay, vote for Rask, Bergeron, Marsh, and Krejci. So Those the only four people you could vote for from the Bruins. That way this stuff doesn't happen again.
1: No, and I agree because that's how it should be. It's how it is in the baseball, I believe. If I'm correct.
0: Yeah. So I mean, MLB
1: does the same thing.
0: I think so too. So that should be the that should be what happens. So that way, this doesn't happen again. But you know what? It happened because of your process this year. Let it be. Let them play, and don't try and come up come up with a way to get them out of the game. Because you, you no matter what the NHL did, they want to get heat for it. But you know what? At least if you haven't played. He would say, well, listen, that, that was the rules that we had. Next year, we're going to look to change him. So that way, people go, okay, even though John Scott shouldn't be in the All-Star game, the NHL goes, they're going to look into it next year to figure it out to make it better. But then trying to, get, no, trying to get him out of the game and then getting him out of the game makes the NHL look even worse.
1: No, I agree. I think that's absolutely what they need to do, and I'm pretty sure that that's what they will do in the end.
0: Yes, definitely will do that. But John Scott... We'll be in all star, everyone. So look forward to seeing John Scott next weekend in Nashville, wearing the nice C on his jersey.
1: Yep, and uh, you know what? it's gonna be a fun game to watch for sure.
0: But speaking of the uh, speaking of John Scott, he I think I think he'll have a teammate in Anze Kopitar, if I'm not mistaken. And Anze Kopitar, as we talked about on this show, was in the final year of his contract with the Los Angeles Kings, and Anze Kopitar ended up signing a long term deal with the Los Angeles Kings and uh, this is a big sign for the Kings. I, me and you talked about how we think Kopitar will stay with the Kings, anyways. How the Kings didn't want to get rid of him. He's been their best center all year round. One, one of their best players on their team. One of their core guys. He's their Bergeron to the Kings. You knew Luke Kopitar was not going to be able to fi- find a new home. You knew he was. You knew L. A. was not going to let him go.
1: No, L. A. couldn't let him go, and they were smart by resigning him because you know he's been the heck. He's been a heck of a player for that team. He's been a great teammate, so I agree with the Kings keeping him.
0: Yeah, they, they couldn't let him go. It would have just been bad news for for LA. They sent him to an eight-year, $80 million contract, so a $10 million a year contract pretty much. On the same par of Jonathan Chase, who who kind of he, he's compared to a little bit. It's Bergeron, Kopitar, and Taze, kind of like the three best all-around centers. They've been battling for the Salky the past few years, so good for the Kings in re-signing him. He's a good player. Love love Kopitar. I love watching him play, but L.A. could not let him go.
1: No, they couldn't, but now you got to figure out how they're going to re-sign Milan Lucic, who wants to stay in L.A. as well. Yes,
0: I saw a report this week that Milan Lucic is loving his time in Los Angeles. The Bruins traded him to the Kings this past offseason for Colin Miller and Martin Jones, and Lucic is loving every second of it, and, he, and there's reports that Lucic wants to stay. But I also noticed that the L.A. Kings did not approach him for a contract extension yet. And it'll be interesting to me to see if, if L.A. wants to keep him. I feel like Lucic has had a decent year, not a great year. But he's playing okay. He likes L.A. Lucic's a good player. LA, I think L.A. fits his style of play just like Boston fits his style of play. So if he was going to go somewhere, I feel like L.A. was a good place for him to go. They play kind of more of a, a heavier game and like a hitting style game than most teams play. They don't really play the skill type game. But Lucic's going to want a decent amount of money. This is probably going to be his last big contract. He's he's um I think he's going to be 28, 29 years old. So this is going to be the last time that you can kind of cash in for a contract. So I'm wondering what LA would even start, like begin to offer him because.
1: But is he is is Lucic worth the kind contract? Does he does he have the stats and have the numbers that show that he's worth that worth that kind of contract this year, or is he just another role player?
0: I don't think he's worth a big contract, but I'm saying it's interesting interesting to see what Luchy would want and what the Kings would offer him because. Lucic did sign a six million dollar a year offer with the Bruins. I mean, does that mean he thinks he's more than that six million dollars? Does he sign for? I know I, I know. I know. I know he's not. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying, does he think he is? Does he think he's worth more? Do you think there'll be a team out there that would pay him more than six million dollars? Because I think that there's a team that would overpay for Lucic.
1: Oh, of course, but that means that the Kings will not get him back, and that's why I'm predicting that the Kings don't keep him.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I was bringing up the point. I want to see what the the Kings would offer him. In like what he's asking for. That those.
1: Lucic is worth the bolesky like contract.
0: Yeah, I would say that the most that Lucic is made. Lucic should be get like five million dollars.
1: Four. I wouldn't go higher than four.
0: I I'm a, I wouldn't go higher than four either. But I'm saying five million dollars is, is probably the max I would spend on Lucic. Yes,
1: and that's probably the offers that he'll get in free agency when he goes.
0: And I think he's gonna get more than five on the free agent market, to be honest.
1: He will, Well, whichever team chooses to get him, if they want to screw up their team bad enough, yeah, they'll give him that. If they want to get a big-name player on their team.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's why I'm interested to see how this plays out with the Kings, because I want to see, like, would he take a home down discount? Will he ask, like, what is his market value? Like, what is he asking for? And that's why I think this is a fascinating story to keep an eye on is Mian Lujic in the Los Angeles Kings.
1: An even more fascinating story is the stories going on in Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, this story is absolutely incredible. As we talked about before, Jonathan Drouin requested a trade from Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has put, sent him down to the AHL. He's played a few games in the AHL. All of a sudden, you're hearing reports that Jonathan Drouin did not show up to an AHL game. And you're thinking, oh, man, did he get traded? Because that's the first thing that comes to your mind. When a player doesn't show up for a game, you think, oh, he got must have been traded. But then Tampa Bay comes out with a report saying he didn't show up on his own. He's suspended without pay. He didn't show up on purpose and because he didn't want to get hurt. He asked the Tampa Bay Lightning if he could just practice with them instead until he's traded to not risk injury. And this story is just building by the day. And Steve Eisman, the Tampa Bay – is it is it Eisman or is it Shanahan?
1: It's Eisman.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, it's Eisman. Eisman, uh, hasn't budged yet because I think he's looking for a deal that's going to help his team out too doesn't want to just get rid of Drew in for nothing. Drew in was a third overall pick, I believe. So it, definitely a top five pick. You can't just give up Drew in for nothing. So this dilemma is just gonna keep going and keep in, and it's just been fascinating to see.
1: Want to hear something insane? What? I agree with the temporary lightning. Set his, his, his butt down. Let him ruin his own career.
0: Yeah, he's being a baby.
1: Yeah, let him ruin his own career. Just set him. Don't trade him. Sit him. Make force force his hand.
0: Well, he can't really do anything about it right now. Well, you they, can't they, right they, now. they suspended him. They don't want him on their team, and it's just been, uh, been Reports coming out now that he's not a good teammate, and he's obviously immature, immature player. So, no, I don't, so I don't, I don't know who's going to trade him
1: and make John and Drew and come back and apologize and be willing to be a team player. That's how you teach these players to be, a, to be team players. Make him come back and apologize.
0: He should, so he definitely I do, should apologize, but I think he, they need to get him out, get him out of town fast. Get him out of there. You don't want to be dealing with that. His agents being a baby, Johnson, Drew being a baby. Just just get him away from your team. He's being an absolute cancer to that locker room and to that management and to that organization. And Tampa Bay is yeah. a good organization. They are with Eisman down there. You don't really hear anything about them being a bad organization. But Drew just making that organization look bad. And it's time to move on from him.
1: No, and I think it's time to move on. But I would to teach him a lesson. I would sit him and keep him sitting there for a while.
0: Oh, he is sitting because they suspended him indefinitely without pay. So it, it, it's gonna hurt him without being able to play and without even being able to, be, to get paid for it too. So you know what you want? You want to be like that? Yeah, you
1: want to be able, able to practice? So he's yeah, gonna be honest.
0: He's going be on his butt team, doing what, nothing.
1: What team's gonna really want him now? If you if they're just gonna sit him and not well, trade him. Fun.
0: He almost got traded to Montreal.
1: Yeah. Does, does Montreal still want him?
0: I don't know now, but Mo- Montreal was pretty close to acquiring him. Something ha- happened where it didn't go through, and now all of a sudden, join's not showing up to AHL games. And look, I get it. You're in the AHL. You don't want to play in the AHL. You want to be in the NHL. But like, wouldn't that make you want to work hard in the AHL to get traded for in the NHL? Like, That's my. That's what I think of. Not, oh, well, I'm just going to fold my hands and start pouting and tell my agent I want to trade, and I'm not going to play.
1: Yeah, I I think what Tampa Bay is doing is the right move.
0: Yep, so good for Tampa, them. Bay, Tampa, Bay. Good for Tampa Bay, to be honest. Good for Tampa Bay. Keep it up, Izzaman. Keep doing a good job because he has the team going in the right direction because they're playing well now. They have a lot of young players in their, in their system. So, Drew, you could have been a part of something good down there, but you know what? You want to be a baby, so... Go sit, go sit at home, have fun not getting paid and not being able to play hockey, which you want to do.
1: Oh, and by the way, we were gonna
0: have this segment
1: we were gonna have a small segment on the fact that there's no Canadian teams in the playoff picture. But just for the record, the Vancouver Canucks are back in the playoff picture after that win against Boston.
0: Yes, but that's okay. It's still something fun to talk about. And I saw a report by it by um Bob, from TSN who talked about how I believe it was Bob McKenzie, but someone someone stayed up there that that no Canadian teams in the playoffs. And since Vancouver beat the Bruins, now there's an Canadian team in the playoffs. But if you look at the if you look at it, it's pretty fascinating to see that because you would have said at the beginning of the year, Montreal's a shield for the playoffs. Ottawa's pretty damn close. You would say Toronto, eh, rebuilding. But then you would say Vancouver and Winnipeg and Calgary, oh, they'll be pretty close to a playoff spot. Not that they're going to be all in the playoffs, but Calgary made it last year. Winnipeg made it last year. Vancouver made it last year. And they're all struggling. And, and, and they're all not doing that well. Vancouver is tied for seventh in the conference, but they've played three more games than San Jose, who they're tied with. They've played one more game than Nashville, who's one point behind them. They've played too much in Arizona, who's two points behind them. So they're not guaranteed a playoff spot right now. And I think that would be incredible if all Canadian teams did not make the playoffs. And because they would be up in arms, absolutely frustrated going crazy, that they don't have one team in the playoffs. Right?
1: And, it's, and you know what? It would be interesting to see. It would be an all American playoffs. It would be the best American team to win the cup. But and exactly. The
0: and a Canadian team hasn't won. A- cup, and since nineteen, since like nineteen ninety three, like a Canadian based team, and I get there are more American based teams than the Canadian teams. I get that, but still, Canada, Canadian teams pride themselves on hockey; they pride themselves on. So I just think it's great that if the Americans can keep winning cups, that, but then they'll be like, oh, well, you have a bunch of Canadian players on your team, which may be true, yes, but I don't care. The cups still coming to our city more than it's going to your city.
1: And ex- exactly, the cup is still going to our city a lot more. Uh, well, our not our city, our the, um, America American teams a lot more. And it's very, very clear that the Canadian teams are struggling. I mean, and look at team camp. Th-
0: it hasn't happened since 1970, which is pretty incredible. So this could be the year. Stay tuned. You have Montreal in 10th place. You have Ottawa in 11th place. You have Toronto in 14th place. That's this in the Eastern Conference. And in the Western Conference, you have Vancouver in 8th. You have... Calgary in 12th, you have Winnipeg in 13th, and you have Edmonton in 14th. So in the Western Conference, you have the three worst teams in the Western Conference, all Canadian. Enjoy that, Canada. So hopefully, we don't have to enjoy seeing you guys in in the playoffs.
1: Exactly. And then it looks like we have one more segment about Austin Matthews and the two Americans that are leading the way in the scouting for this year's draft
0: coming up. Yes, every every year, TSN does a poll about The NHL scouting, about the upcoming draft and who's number one in each pool. And there's a European pool and a North American skaters pool. And since Austin Matthews is playing in Europe right now, he leads the way at number one in the European power rankings for scouting. And also, since, like I said, Matthews is overseas, in North America, the number one rated player is Matthew Kachuk. And as you know, the son of Keith Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk, and Austin Matthews played together in the World Juniors. They seem to be two of the USA's better players. But I think this is just—I just want to bring this up too because it shows that America is Americans have a, something to look forward to in hockey coming up. Because usually it's always Canadians dominating, number one, number one, Canada, Canada, Canada. With two Americans, it's just good to see that American players are working hard. They're becoming the best at the sport, and hopefully down the road this can lead us to some gold medals.
1: Yes, exactly. Hopefully it does lead America America to a lot of medals, and it's great to see these young players putting in a lot of effort to get into the league. I hope the Sharks start losing so the Bruins can get a chance at one of these two players.
0: That's why I'm mad that the Sharks are winning. I hope they continue to lose. I hope they go on a bad losing streak, lose about 10 games in a row, but we'll see what happens there, but I just wanted to bring up that briefly that it's, you know, it's not every day you see two Americans leading the way in a hockey pool with, with the amount of talent there is in Canada, with the amount of talent there is in Russia, Finland, Sweden, all around the world that the power rankings in the upcoming draft for essential scouting. Just want to touch on that. It's great to see.
1: Yes, it, it is really great to see,
0: for sure. And usually Jason and I do a prospect list. We will have a prospect list for you next week because next week will be the All-Star break weekend, so there's only a few games to get to. There won't be a lot of news. or uh, There won't be a lot of Bruins news next week. So next week we'll have another break. Well, uh, Jason and I will do a prospect report for you guys to get you guys going about who's doing what in the in uh, juniors, who's doing what in college. So next week we'll have our great prospect prospect pullback. But just uh, I just want to let the fans know that because I'm, I'm sure people have been wondering where it's been. So we will have it next weekend for you. Me and Jason and, I, Jason and I have talked. We did not want to keep doing the, the prospect pool every week because they don't play as many games as the NHL players do. So that's why we're going to do that once a month. So next week will be the week we do that. So, but the Bruins have only like three games coming up this week, one being tonight. They are home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And did you see the John Tortorella story, Jason? I heard about
1: you. he had two fractured ribs.
0: Yes, and he got into a collision in practice and he – did not make the trip to Boston tonight, so John Tortorella will not coach the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. And the Blue Jackets have been terrible this year, as we have talked about. And they are last, dead last, in the Eastern Conference in points. People predicted them to be a playoff team, and clearly they are far from that. They just traded Brian Johansson for Seth Jones, so the Bruins can get a nice look at Seth Jones tonight. But this should be a game the Bruins would be capable of winning. If they play good. We talked about like how Vancouver they should have beat them, but they didn't pull come out to play. But hopefully the Bruins can get back on track. This is a winnable game though against Columbus.
1: This is the only it says uh, one of the few winnable games that I'm predicting they probably will win.
0: Yeah, the other two games are pretty difficult, so they should they they need to win this game.
1: Nah. Would you? And I'm gonna say the Bruins go one and two because I don't think they'll beat the Flyers or the Ducks. The Flyers on the road, and the Ducks are still a good Western Conference team.
0: You always predicted them to lose. Hey, I can be right from time to time.
1: And I hope I'm hope i wrong, but I'm calling it <laughs> as I see it.
0: I thought maybe with you picking them to be losing losers last week, you picked them to be winners this week.
1: So if I pick them to be losers this week, then they're probably gonna be winners this week.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe you. Them to lose so they keep winning but I'm gonna say 2-1 if, if you're playing it logically
1: I'm predicting at least they lose to the Flyers based on the fact that they're on the road and they've struggled against the Flyers this year the Anaheim Ducks yes I understand that they're struggling out west but the Western Conference are still really dominant conferences and those Ducks could turn it up at any given point they still have Ryan Getzlaff and the team still is a good team that was in the playoffs last year so Logically, that's where my argument would come from that the Bruins could possibly go one and two. If they're going to go two and one, the game that I'm guaranteeing the loss would be the Ducks. I'd say that they have a chance against the Flyers.
0: Yeah, I didn't think I think they're going to go two and one this week. I think they're going to lose one of the games against the Flyers and Ducks. And if I had to guess, I'm going to say they lose the Ducks game and their home lock their home woes continue because for some reason the Bruins just don't like to play. Well, at home, so that's the game I'm gonna predict that the Bruins loses against the Ducks. I think they're gonna beat the Flyers. The Bruins had the Flyers on their heels the last game. They were up three to two, and then they just blew. They blew it. The Bruins were were there. For, the game was there for the taking. So I think the Bruins will be able to correct their mistakes and beat the Flyers. The, so.
1: the, issue, the issue with that is the Bruins are born twice against the Flyers.
0: That's what I'm saying. But I think they're gonna be able to write their right their um their ways this time. That's what I'm. That's what I'm predicting. I think they're gonna be able to. Going to Philadelphia, they're gonna be able to win. Some, they're gonna be able to win and correct their mistakes. That's not that's not the thing. I think they're gonna to lose to the Ducks.
1: I think the Ducks is the only guaranteed loss. i just just for the sake of having one of us disagree, I'm gonna go one and two. You're gonna go two and one. I both the the one game we're gonna disagree on the Flyers. I'm okay yes. with
0: that. Yes, exactly. So, but like you said, they, they, the Bruins need to get two points tonight first. If they lose tonight, Jason and I. I guarantee you, we'll have a field day on them next week if they lose tonight.
1: Yeah, if they lose tonight, I worry about that. I'll worry about that next week, but it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna kind of sort of prove my point as to what I've been saying all along. So I'm really, I'm really smart when it comes to. This. If they lose tonight, I'm just gonna not really have to say much. It's gonna just prove my point.
0: And we don't want Jason to be Devil's advocate and negative Nancy next week. So Bruins, please don't lose. <laughs> I, I know Claude Julien was. I won't
1: be negative next next week. Trust me, but it's just gonna be honest because it's just gonna be like, yeah, I called it. But I don't. They they can't lose tonight. They better not lose tonight.
0: Claude Julian, yeah. I know you're listening to our podcast right now, so please tell your team not to lose tonight, so we don't have to hear Jason next week complain about you guys losing to Columbus.
1: Yeah, if they go to Columbus, it's just going to prove my point. I don't have to say much. It'll prove my point about this team. I've been saying it all season long. We're going to be an up-and-down team, roller coaster team. The only thing I've really been rolling about was Tugarask's Rask's play.
0: Yes, so. So, uh, a 2-1 for me, 1-2 and two for you. And that concludes this week of Bruins Beat. Next week, we'll have a great show on tap. We'll discuss these next three games that the Bruins have on the agenda. All the Bruins news. And plus, it'll be a great, all- great pre-All-Star Game show because the All-Star Game is next weekend, so Jason and I will be talking about that. Our prospect report will be back next week as well. So don't forget to uh, follow us both on Twitter, at JasonBuckley91, at MikeSetta22 for all Bruins news, all our podcast stuff, all our articles get posted on Twitter all the time. Please don't forget to check out CLNSRadio.com for all all related pieces on the Bruins, whether it's prospect, repeat, prospect reports, Providence Bruins, um, opinion pieces, game breakdowns, we have all that there. Uh, also, don't forget to follow uh, to download us on iTunes. Right, Jason?
1: Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. You can also find us on our CLNS radio app as well.
0: Yes, please, don't forget to uh, give us some ratings, give us some reviews on that. All reviews are appreciated, even if you hate us. By all means, tell us you hate us. That's fine with us. We'll try to improve to make sure you guys like our That wraps up our show for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Go Bruins!
1: So one.